0: I want to be the best and that's why I play the game but to be the best you have to win
1: and that's what welcome back everybody to another episode of the clutch talk podcast last youtube slash we do it all as always I am your host John very happy to be here my boy Jay his over there in the six how you doing my dog
2: doing great and we are doing great because we got a, a clutch talk guest legend on today. Lance, make him dance, Caparossi in the building tonight. Um, all right, today, Lance, say what up to the fans. How you doing, man?
0: Man, I'm doing great. Appreciate the intro. You got my last name right. I love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm doing good. I'm a little salty about the Pistons, but, you know, growing pains for a young team. And, yeah, that's, that's all I got to say. But I'm glad to be back on the show. I appreciate you calling me a legend as well. That's pretty cool. Never been called that before. So, yeah, I'm excited.
1: Well, you are mm-hmm. definitely a legend, a legend over here Lance we're very happy to have you just like how Jay said man but uh for, for for the fans you know for those of you guys that are new you guys that you know recently subscribed Lance has been a long time a long time guest here Lance actually has his own podcast at the, the everything pistons podcast man so I'll link everything all of Lance's work down below in the in the description uh, so make sure you guys go check that out man but if all that's out the way you guys ready to get into some hoop talk absolutely. Yes, sir. Let's do it, man, because today we got an action-packed, action-packed episode, man. So let's go ahead and start with a new segment here, a brand new segment introducing for the first time here. It's called Fill in the Blank, man. So this is how Fill in the Blank works, guys. Uh, I'm just going to read off a statement here and then uh, you and Jay Hill, you guys each, you know, uh, fill in the blank and finish the statement. And then we can talk about it a little bit. We can debate a little bit. If not, we'll move to the next uh, statement. You guys cool with that? Absolutely,
2: yep. get
1: it. Let's let's do it, man. All right, guys. So the first statement here is Lance. Since you are the guest, we want you to go ahead and kick it off. The first statement here is the best role player in the league is
0: Ooh, that is tough. So uh I got uh-huh. two like um the best role player in the league. So I'm a little biased. I love Jordan Poole for the Warriors, I cool. think he's in the perfect role for himself like coming off the bench being a scoring machine like I love seeing Jordan Poole in that role I love Hill for the Washington Wizards and Jordan I'll even throw in Jordan Clarkson for the Jazz I think those guys are in the perfect roles right now for their careers like they are playing they're playing really well so those roles for them and where they're at the responsibilities given to them makes a lot of sense and they've been um, playing pretty well this year okay Jay what about you who's the best role player in the league
2: I want to say Jordan Poole, but I mean, Lance took it right out of my hand, but I'm going to go with uh, kind of maybe a shocker, but I'm going to go with Ricky Rubio. I think he's been playing, uh, he's been a great, you know, piece, great veteran piece for the surging and soaring Cavs right now. Um, Just helping their backcourt, doing what he does, like playmaking wise defensively. And I just feel like he's been an anchor and a go-to guy that they can rely on to do what he does like off the bench. And if he needs to spot start, he's right in the lineup as well. So Ricky Rubio has been killing it um, and kind of having a career revival or like one of the best seasons of his career. So yeah, definitely Ricky Rubio for me.
1: Absolutely, man. That, that, that's a surprising answer, but that's a great answer, Jay. Ricky Rubio really has been stepping up and doing that uh, role player role, man. You know, when, when you're needed, you step up and when you're not needed, you're able to take that back seat, man. But I'm going to go with a different player. I'm glad we all kind of got different players here. I'm going to go with Mikael Bridges, man. I mean, Jay knows I talk about Mikael all the time as really being a key vital role player to that Suns team. Uh, can score when he needs to score. Understands when to take the back seat, but also does it on the defensive end. Can really bring it on the defensive end and help them with his length and just guard, really. I wouldn't say one through five, but I would say one through three very confidently that Mikael can mm-hmm. guard, man. So I think I think... I think that's a great role player in the, in the in the league, man. But all right, so if uh, if there's n- nothing else to add to down, we could we, we can move to the to the next statement that we got here, man. And that is all right, guys. So the numbers are growing, okay. So the number the numbers continue to grow. But as of yesterday, which w- which was Saturday de- Saturday December eighteenth, eighty out of the eighty six players who have entered the health and safety protocols, seventy have happened this month. 70 that happened this month. Me and Jay talked about this on the last episode. I just it was just we talked about it real quick. What are the chances of a bubble? So here are we here here we are again. Jay and Lance. The chances of a bubble happening this year are.
0: Ooh, I'm gonna say there's not a good chance for a bubble. I think if anything, the NBA will like amend their um safety protocol rules. Where I think they're talking about it now too, where if you tested positive, but you're asymptomatic, you only have to have one negative test and then you'll be able to play again. I think they'll head more in that route. I mean, these guys are healthy individuals, you know, I mean, we haven't heard of any two extreme cases coming from NBA players. So I just think instead of a bubble, the NBA will reevaluate how they're monitoring all of this going forward. I think that's more I mean, a bubble would be kind of cool to see. I'm not going to lie. I I enjoyed it last time, but uh, I don't know if there's going to be a bubble. I don't think there'll be a bubble this year. I just think the NBA will reevaluate how they test players and what the rules are going forward with positive cases.
2: Yeah. I'm right there with Lance, like 10, 20%. I think it's low. I think, you know, they, they saw what it did last time and it was good, I guess successful, but I mean, being away from your family and, And away from like what you know was tough on a lot of players and they they spoke about it. So I think they're going to try at all costs to avoid the bubble uh, this year. So I think it's just pretty low. Yeah, like I said, 10 percent, 20 percent and everything that Lance said on that one on that front yeah man
1: you know I, I i really i really want i really don't want there to be a bubble just because of you know the fans make the game so much more exciting the fans bring a whole different aspect to the game and i mean we can also go we could we could purchase a ticket and go so you know so the, uh so, so so that's cool but the only thing that i think that the nba is, is is taking into account and jay you brought this up on the last episode was that money baby because you know money rules the world man and money talks yep. and the nba don't want to go two seasons with losing all of that uh ticket revenue food revenue and all that that, man, so I'm gonna go ahead and side with you guys on on the chances of their bubble uh happening again is low, man. But all right, so then so, so uh, let's let's keep it pushing, man, and let's talk about the next uh the next fill in the blank here, and that is the Pacers' most valuable trade asset is
0: oh Sabonis, yeah, easily. Yeah. I think it's oh bonus. yeah, I think it's Sabonis, yeah. man. I, <laughs> he can do a little bit of everything. He can be a centerpiece on offense. He's not great defensively, but what he does offensively outweighs all of that. I mean, Miles Turner—he's a nice piece, but he doesn't move the needle in the win column quite like a Sabonis does. So I'll say Sabonis is the most valuable trade piece. You yeah, you yeah, Sabonis, and and I think of it—the
2: the war from the just I'm, I'm thinking of it from the Warriors' perspective. Like you give up Kaminga and maybe Wiseman for a guy like Sabonis, and and maybe move that championship up closer. Like that, I already think they're a favorite. You know, or they have a really good chance to contend for a title without him, but you add him to the equation, I think you really gotta think. But anyways, no, Sabonis is definitely the most best player out of that bunch and asset um to answer your question.
0: I will okay. say, though, Miles Turner, though, is very underrated by a lot of fans. Like, I don't know. I appreciate his game mm-hmm. and what he brings to a basketball team. I don't know if a lot of fans do. He's still pretty young, I believe. I think yeah. he's only around like 25 years old. And he can shoot the three. He can protect the paint. Like, he can do a lot for a, bas- um, for a basketball team. And I just think a lot of people are underrating his value, value to a new team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And it's definitely interesting
1: to to hear your guys take on this, because I know when we did our uh, our uh, roundtable episode, you know, with Oku and Junior. Again, you know, uh, blind, blind shout out, blind plug. Go check out that last episode uh, when we did when we did that episode. Oh, you know, Oku said Miles Turner is a real plug and play player because, I mean, any any team can take a big man that is going to bring about like three to four blocks a game, you know, so that so mm-hmm. so that so, so that's huge. But I definitely understand what you guys are saying uh, about Sabonis, but I'm actually not going with Sabonis nor Miles Turner. I'm going with Malcolm Brogdon, actually, man. And the reason why I'm going to go with Malcolm Brogdon is because I think he's a smart, savvy uh, veteran point guard. In this league, and a lot of teams need that. A lot of championship teams need a point guard to be able to run the team, to be able to set up the offense, or even or even be able to go get a bucket on your own. And I think that Malcolm Brogdon can do all that, play some defense, and be a smart team leader, man. So I think that I think Malcolm Brogdon could draw a lot of a lot of attention from from these teams that are missing, uh, you know, a, a potential key starting guard or even a, a off the bench guard like can you imagine a Malcolm brogdon on the on the nets instead of a patty mills i mean that team just mm-hmm. becomes all instrumentally better right there man so
2: all what, right okay what, what do you think just for both of you question. like who, who do you think out of their pieces that they got to trade who do you think's gone first out of lavert miles turner brogdon or who do you think like for sure is gone um they're gonna get rid of a deal first out of that bunch
0: I think, man, I let me just say I agree with John too. Like Malcolm Mm -hmm. Brogdon, I didn't even know that he was up for trades. Like, man, he is a very I love Malcolm Brogdon's game Mm and what he brings to a team. But man, I'm gonna stick with Sabonis. That's my answer. And I think he'd probably be the first to be moved because I think some teams watch him play, seeing what he's done for Indiana, and say, you know what? We could do a little bit more with him. We can put him in different positions. And if he's on our team, he can be a valuable piece going forward. So I'll say Sabonis as the most valuable and probably the piece that is moved. He probably nets you the most as well. So I would say Sabonis right. would be the first to be moved. Okay, John. You...
1: I, I would go say ahead. I would actually go, go Miles Turner only because I think he's the easiest to be moved, right? Yeah. I, think, and it, I think all 29 all teams aren't, aren't willing, I mean, besides the, the Nuggets, because they already got Jokic, no, no reason having Miles Turner. But all, like, 28 to 29 teams are ready and excited to take on a player that's blo- taking three to four blocks a
2: game. So I think he'll be the easiest for them to move. What, what do you think, Jay? Uh, I, I'm going to go with Sabonis um, just because I, I personally think his his skill set could be used more because just his playmaking. And I think he can be serviceable. He's not the greatest defender, but he – in the right system, um, he can be uh, he can be serviceable defender. Like he, the effort is there, is what I'm trying to say. So any team could use that. So I'll go with Sabonis. Um, I
0: also um I also think some teams look at like Nikola Jokic and think I'm not. come saying Sabonis is on his level, but right. similar kind of skill set. You know, like Absolutely. he some buckets, he can rebound. He's not the greatest defender, but he can also run. You can run your offense through him where you. Know that he, if you give him the ball, he's going to make the right decision with it. Mm-hmm. So I think he's kind of a poor man's Jokic, and a lot of teams that are probably watching, thinking like, "Hey, man, we see what this guy is doing in Denver. We get mm-hmm. you know the you know the light version of him, and it works." And I think some team will. So I'll say Sabonis, but Miles Turner though he might be easier to move. I, I would agree with that as well. Sure. So. Man, idiot, they have some pieces, man. It stinks that it's freaking
1: pieces, dog. They got man, some they pieces, man. and they've had this for so long, man. It's been for the last yeah. like three to four years. It's been disappointing, 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 because this team right here should be making a serious second to third round playoff push, in my opinion, mm-hmm. if they're if they're playing well and together, man. No, Definitely. No. Me and Jay talk about it all the time. Disappointing mm-hmm. Pacers team, man. But all right, so let's get to our last statement here for the fill in the blank. And this one, I'm very excited to hear what both of you have to say, man. This one is, all right, here you go. The best the best basketball player in the world right now. So, I mean, technically in the NBA, because the NBA is the best league in the world. So the best basketball player in the world right now is?
0: Oh, man. <laughs> There's a, a few that you can pick <laughs> from, but, uh, man, so... Uh, I want to say Kevin Durant, he's the best, but when you look at the advanced numbers, Nikola Jokic is like number one in so many categories in like top five, top 10, and almost every other one. So if you're looking just strictly at the numbers, it's Nikola uh, Jokic, he would be the best player. But man, I have so much fun watching Kevin Durant, even Steph Curry. I think those two, they, for everything Nikola Jokic brings to a team, those two move the needle so much they allow you to do so much as a team so I would really say it's a toss-up between Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry right now in the NBA but who'd you go with Jay
2: I'm right there with Lance but I'm leaning more towards KD just because I mean bro the dude is a seven foot point <laughs> card god like bro bro he, he's just different man and I, I just think he's playing at such a high level especially with Pieces I think Steph definitely has more around him, and for KD to be doing what he's doing with all those guys out, Harden in and out of the lineup obviously, Kyrie not playing yet. Um, which that's a whole crazy situation to to be honest. Um, but no, I just think it's KD right now. Um, but Steph is right up there with him. But in in terms of numbers, I think sometimes numbers don't tell the whole story in terms of jokic. Um, and just from the eye. Just from the eye test, man, I think it's KD right now. It is the best player in the world, but, but Steph's right that close, like one A or one B, excuse me. We were trying, what about you, John? I know Absolutely. you, KD. Yeah.
1: and no, I, no. Honestly, honestly, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there with you guys. Of course, it's, it's Steph and KD. And honestly, I just have so much fun watching both. Like it's just. It's a brand of basketball. Well, KD, we've just never seen a player like that. Curry's bringing a brand of basketball that we've just never seen. And just both mm. are, are, are very are very fun to watch. So, But this is the way I'm going to answer it, okay? Uh, I think Kevin Durant is the best player in the world, but I think what Stephen Curry is doing is more impressive. Now, I'm not, now that's not saying that Kevin Durant is a better – I'm not saying Stephen Curry is a better player than Kevin Durant. Now, here's why I'm saying that. Stephen Curry is not the – a uh, prototypical nba 6667 jumping out the gym <coughs> 280 uh mm-hmm. player right he's not that he's a, a 6 Jay, correct me if i'm wrong but i believe he's like 6362 and i'm um, being
2: generous yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like being right generous, yeah right yeah right, right?
1: Exactly yeah. right. So he's doing that and just breaking so many NBA records, leading, leading the league so many times in, in, in scoring and efficiency and all these things, man. So I definitely have to say that what Stephen Curry is doing is more impressive. But I just cannot go against a seven foot point guard that can mm-hmm. literally do everything on the court, man.
0: It's too yeah. like with Kevin Durant, like we all see the offensive numbers and we see what he does offensively, but he's a pretty good defensive player as well. So Man. Yeah. yeah, I would say, you know, I was kind of leaning towards, you know, I, I gave you three names, but I would say Katie's probably the best player, best all around player in right. the NBA. I don't expect him to win defensive player of the year. He can't use that much energy on that side, but the fact that he can play both sides and then carry mm-hmm. a team offensively, that's what I think makes him the most important mm-hmm. player. Interesting that nobody picked LeBron James or Giannis. So I think, I think good
2: case for those guys,
1: I think, for, for, I think with LeBron, I think it's, it's, it's father time, father time's catching up to him, And it's, it's tough to compare a 37 year old LeBron James to a KD and Stephen Curry that are just lighting up the league right now. You know, I think if someone were to put LeBron in there, it'd be more of like, Oh, from what LeBron has done in the last 10 years, but this season, I mean, I'm talking this season right now, I don't think he's in the, he's in that category. And then Giannis, Honestly, me and Jay, we were talking about this the other day. We were saying Giannis is just sheer dominance. Just I'm gonna dominate you. I'm I, I'm not as I'm not as skilled as you. I'm not as talented as you. But I'm just gonna dominate you, and you're yeah. it's just gonna be a bucket on your head every single time.
2: He's the most dominant player. If you asked me, the most dominant player in the league, I would have said Giannis. Absolutely. But you said the best player in the world. Yeah. Like I, that would be talent wise. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm right yeah. there with you. All right. All
1: right, all right, cool. So that was that was, that was cool. That was a cool little fill in the blank segment. So let's let's move into our let's move into our next segment. And that's what you got, man. So different. This is what you got. Segment. We got. We talk about any NBA news, NBA topics. Uh, so here we go, man. First topic that we got here is. What you got, what's more impressive? Anthony Edwards, the other day uh, against the Nuggets, he scored 38 points on 67% from the field, 71% from three, and made 10 threes. He's the youngest player in NBA history to ever make 10 threes in a game. Is that more impressive, or is Gordon Hayward Gordon Hayward the other day against the Spurs had 41 points on 79% from the field. He, that's the highest uh, field goal percentage in Hornets history. So what you got, what's more impressive, Anthony Edwards' game or Gordon Hayward's game? Both history-setting games.
0: Ooh man, it's, it's Anthony <sighs> Edwards, man. 3 three-pointers in a game, those numbers, that many points is definitely Anthony Edwards. And he's doing it as like a... I don't. I mean, I think he's probably like what six three, six four. I know they. Mm-hmm. I think they list him at like six five, but he's he's a short guy doing putting up numbers like that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm always like, I always think it's more impressive when a shorter guy does something than a taller guy. So yeah, I'll give it to Anthony Edwards, but that's nothing to turn your head on towards Gordon Hayward. That's a hell nah. of a game as well. I'll give it to Anthony nice. Edwards.
2: Jack. Facts. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Anthony Edwards, Lance, on this because. Number one, it's his second year in the league and he's doing it. And what I love, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Anthony Edwards is like last year and even this year to a certain extent, his shot selection was extremely questionable. And now I figure, I see he's figuring out and starting to understand getting, being able to score at all three levels, whether it be three pointers, the mid range game. And I mean, we've seen what he can do at the rim, like above the rim finishing. So uh, just seeing that growth from last year to this year. And then putting that into in, in that effort and that performance that night with eight threes, man, I think that was incredible performance from uh, from Ant. So that you gotta go with that. Yeah, with up, Lance.
0: Oh, I was gonna say also, you know, who Anthony Edwards is playing with. He has some big names like Carly sure. Anthony Towns, um, Malik Beasley, not the more not really a household name, but that guy can get buckets as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, D'Angelo Russell, another bucket getter. So mm-hmm. being able to put up those type of numbers, that scoring output with those shooting splits, that's impressive in itself. And again, Charlotte, you know, it's, you don't even, I mean, they got LaMelo, they have Mikkel Bridges. Wow. I can't believe I'm just playing Miles Bridges and then Gordon Hayward. So it's, you know, I mean, there's a little bit more meat on the bones in Minnesota than there is in Charlotte for that type Mm -hmm. of uh, scoring performance.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with, with both you guys, man. I'm, I'm with Anthony Edwards on this. And I think honestly the biggest thing that I keep like just going back to is the, the, the kid is 20 years old <laughs> he's not even yeah. 21 yet <laughs> like he's not even 21 like that's insane to me dog and he just he, he puts up a, a performance like that and it's just it's extremely impressive I mean and Gordon Hayward's like how you said Lance is nothing to laugh at nothing to scoff at it's mm-hmm. something very very uh history setting very important but I just think that what Anthony Edwards is doing at this level is just it's crazy man it's crazy all right so Cool. So let's, let's move on to our next, uh, what you got here. And that's, you know, so we just, we talked a little bit about Curry and KD. Uh, we just saw that K we just saw KD recently reclaimed that number one spot in the Kia MVP race, but like how Jay Hill was saying, Curry remains in that one, a right. I mean, one, a one B section right there, very close for second, but who will bring it home? What you got.
0: Who will bring home the MVP? Oh man, that's tough. tough I would, If the season ended today, I think it's a two-man race between Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. I think what both of them are doing is equally as impressive, especially with KD still, you know, I mean, he did have an Achilles injury, you know, I think it, is this his first year after the injury? Because if it is, man, it's, it's his in a heartbeat. So yeah, I would say right now, if the season ended, it would be Kevin Durant that wins MVP by like a slight edge over Steph Curry, just because. The Warriors, they have that experience. They have a few more pieces. The Nets are playing without Joe Harris. Um, Kyrie Irving's been out. Um, they lost DeAndre Jordan a little bit. They have a bunch of new faces in Brooklyn. So they're asking KD to do a lot more than what Steph Curry's asked to do. So I would give it to KD as the MVP.
2: Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. And I think just yeah, if you the season ended today, I think it would be KD, specifically because. The reason I say that is because, yeah, he's playing with less. I think he really wants it. Like the reason he left Golden State was he wanted to be that guy. And especially with all these guys out, Kyrie, James Harden, he's putting the – like he's getting all the minutes. He's playing for an extended amount of time. And I think for Steph's sake, you know, he's getting rested. He has his rotation where he's getting far less minutes or like a good amount of less minutes than uh, KD. And I think he just wants to save his body for the playoffs. And I think Steph's right now, he's at a point in his career and just the type of player he is unselfish is he'll give up that MVP, he'll, he'll let KD get it. But I think he really wants that, that fourth ring, man. So that's how I'm feeling about it. But I give it to KD right now.
1: Okay, man, I, I honestly, guys, I really, I, I'm, I'm going to give it to KD on, on the fact that he has less and he's really out there still doing it and really carrying this team. I mean, the, the, the other, the other day, I watched the Nets game and we had uh, Kessler, uh, Kessler, Edward, just a bunch of players that no one really knew about. And KD's out there playing with them, making them seem like good role players that that have been in the league for, for some time, but I just don't want to just skip over and, and, I guess not acknowledge what what's what Steph is really doing for that MVP race. Not but not only individually. We see his number of individuals. You you could just go on basketball reference and see what he's doing individually. You could just turn on the game any night and see what he's doing individually. But it's what he's doing for his team. It's what it's, it's how he leads his team on not only on, on, on the defensive end, but as far as what are you doing in the locker room, it's what you're doing when you're off ball. Jay talks about it all the time he does not stop running. He passes the ball v- 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 running around everywhere. You know, those are, those are, <laughs> that's very important, man. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's, that's key for your star player to be doing. I mean, we know, we know, I don't and I don't mean to bash players like James Harden, but we know players that are just so much more talented than everybody. They seem sometimes to have an attitude. It's like, all right, like here's the ball. I'm going to just stand up, you know, chill. Whenever you need a bucket, <laughs> come give me the ball again and I'll score. And they, cause they encourage, they're just that good. But Curry's that good and brings the attitude, man. So, I mean, all around, uh curry's got a very good case but just on the fact that kevin durant's leading a bunch of no names to the first the first seed in the in in the east is just extremely important man so all right Mm -hmm. all right that was that was that was was cool so then so let's get to uh to our our second to last here for what you got this this is more of just uh let me know who, who you would pick in the situation but if you guys needed a game winning shot Let's say you're in a half-court set. You're taking the ball out of bounds, like a, like that Damian Lillard shot he hit on uh, on Paul George and wave goodbye, right? So let's say you're in that situation. Who do you want? <laughs> Who do you uh, want for the game-winning <laughs> shot? Would you rather have Devin Booker or would you rather have Luka Doncic? Who you got? Can I
0: take Austin Reeves for like <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, Out of hi. those two, whew. Man, that's so tough. That is really tough. That is really tough. I want to say Luca, but uh, I might take it. I might give it to Devin Booker, man. He, there's just something about him that just you, I would feel more confident with him taking the last shot than almost any other player in the NBA. So it's just more of like if I don't really, I don't really know what I'm judging that on or anything, but like. Luca, I think he would make the right decision in the final seconds of a game, but if it comes down to hitting one big basket to win the game, I'm taking to Devin Booker. I've seen him do it a few times already, so I'm taking Devin Booker, man. He has that Kobe in him where it's like even nice, if he's having a bad game, you know, yeah, I don't care if he's missed 20 shots. I want him to take that last shot for me.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling that same way, Lance. Like about, this is that mama mentality. Like Devin Booker, not to say Luca doesn't want it. I mean, Devin Booker wants it more. I feel like he just he he demands the ball. He he he's cool with missing. He's he he. But I think he just knows he's gonna make it, and that's what I want from between the two. Um, and I just think he he's getting he can get to his spot at any time. Whereas Luca, I think he's foul baiting and doing this. Devin Booker can get to wherever he's whatever spot he wants to on the floor at any time, and I'm just extremely confident in that. So I'm gonna go with D Book in that
1: absolutely i'm right i'm right there with both you guys going with d book he's just uh both are i mean of course professional scorers but d book is just on a whole nother level like how you said lance d book could be 0 for 20 but that 21st shot he's gonna take it like he's been 20 for 20 and that and that Mm -hmm. kind of that kind of mentality like like how you said jay that's that mama mentality that just you can't you can't work that you gotta you just have it or you don't man and in deeper, got it man but all right so then so then let's go to our our last little our last little uh, statement here for the what you got segment so guys look the nets are leading the league right now with 10 missing players because due to covid the bulls are second with seven the knicks are in third with fifth and then the lakers are are are, in, are in, <laughs> the lakers are in fifth yeah standings <laughs> oh, for covid that's a bad, stand. <laughs> that's a bad standing huh? and then yeah. the lakers have five players out So, guys, what you got, which team will be most affected by the absence of their players? And, of course, you would say, oh, Nets, they're missing most players. But, like, the Lakers are in a key vital spot. The Bulls, seven players, are some important-ass seven players. So just think about it in in, in that perspective. So which team will be most affected by the absence of their players? I can read the teams again if you want me to.
2: Yeah, real quick, yeah. Hard. No, go yeah, on. Read the real
1: quick. I, 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 it's the Nets with 10 players, the Bulls with seven, the Knicks with six, and the Lakers with five.
0: So, are we counting Anthony Davis out for the Lakers too? Or are we just talking strictly COVID cases? Oh, we, 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 we'll count Anthony Davis because I mean, he's out for okay. the next four weeks. Because that makes a huge difference yeah. for the Lakers. I mean, you have LeBron James, he's still one of the best in the league but he'll be playing out of position at center because you can't rely on Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan to give you too many minutes you know going forward so yeah I would probably say the Lakers man just because Anthony Davis is one of those guys that's out and you know they said they're going to reevaluate him in four weeks so I would say the Lakers you know I mean I guess you could go with Zach Levine out for the Chicago Bulls as well but you know i'm gonna go ahead and say the lakers because anthony davis is a big piece even if he's not really playing like it and that numbers aren't really showing it he is a big piece for what they do so i'll say the lakers yeah Jay,
2: what about you? yeah I feel, people are so quick to like turn the oh 80s never ain't shit like People are so quick to forget the past, like and be prisoners of the moment. It's so funny to me, but '80s a great player, great '80s one of the greats. Like, let's let's not get it twisted. So, for him to be out for that extended amount of time, I, and especially the Lakers sitting at the six seed, sixteen and fourteen, they need all the help they can get. They need all the players, all their stars, you know, at full health. Then um, have those. Even the the sub the supplementary pieces out. I think that's a huge loss for them. Um, you need all the bodies you can get to a team who I didn't think was deep enough anyway, um, and who wants to be in the playoffs. Not I don't. They don't want a, a old team, like an aging roster like that. You don't want to be in the playing game. So I think him being out for that long. And the rest of uh, of the pro- players and protocol is big for the Lakers, and I think it's gonna something they have to navigate um, and can continue to stay afloat.
0: Yeah, and like the Lakers, I think they're on their fifteenth different starting lineup this season, which is more than what Frank Vogel did when they won the championship back in twenty twenty. So that's a big piece too, like chemistry. You know how do, you know how do all these pieces fit when you have so many guys in and out of the roster in and out of the lineup it, it can be pretty yeah. tough so yeah lakers i think by a landslide i mean as long as the right. nets have kevin durant they pretty much have what their team is going to be doing it's going to be set in place so yeah it's definitely the lakers in my opinion right I agree. okay so you know you know what guys you guys
1: are such good uh debaters and you guys said you guys are so good at what you do you guys convincing me because honestly coming into this I had the Bulls because the Bulls just had DeMar, Zach, uh, Lonzo, AC just had so many important players and like DeMar, Zach, and Lonzo and AC that's kind of like what runs the Bulls but I mean as you guys are talking I'm thinking to myself like man I mean AD is is a catalyst to this Lakers team if the Lakers team goes as AD goes and the Lakers haven't been going because A D hasn't been going. And with now him being out for the, the the next four weeks and maybe even more, cause like how you said, they're gonna be reevaluating him in four weeks. I think that, that that they're definitely gonna be uh gonna be most affected by 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 their players' absences with COVID injury and, and all that, man. So all right. Cool, guys. So while we're on the lines of talking about the Lakers, then let's just talk about that mishap that happened on on Friday. The Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers lost the Lakers lost the Wolves 110 92 And I mean, I guess let's just start off from, from the Lakers side of things and only because, you know, we were just talking about it and Jay, you know. What did I tell you last episode? We talked about the Lakers dominant performance against the Mavs. And what did I say? I gave them their flowers. I said, they all did great. Russell did great. LeBron did great. AD did great. But I told you at the end, there's a caveat. I want to see what next game is going to be like because they have lacked consistency throughout the season and lacked consistent effort throughout the season so many times. And if you're a Lakers fan right now, you got to be pissed off, man, because after a dominating performance like that, they turn around and do something like this, man. I mean, you could you could see it from the beginning. The effort was just off like the their body language was off. It seemed like they didn't want to be there. They weren't boxing out. Missing easy like defensive rotations, getting caught several times on 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 back cuts, and getting caught just standing up, man. You know, I, I know I know AD. He he went down with that ankle injury with like two minutes left in the first, and that definitely took the life out of the Lakers. But I just I'm mean, this is just a little interesting point that I I you know I noted here on my notes as I was watching the game. The Lakers actually went on a run. They went on a nine and zero run when AD went out, and then when AD came back in, they lost that run. And because and when AD came back in, he looked unengaged. And then he came back and, it sprained, and then now we know he sprains his his MCL. But the Lakers go and when go on a run with AD off the court, and then AD comes back on the court, they lose the run. And the Minnesota go on a twenty two and seven run and really blowed the game open in, the, in in the third. So honestly, guys, I mean we could talk about it a little bit, but like I I'm starting to just question if AD's okay. Like, if, if he's mentally okay, because what's going on? Because I'm watching the game, guys, and I'm just seeing lack of effort. I'm seeing body language. I'm seeing loose balls going to the other end. He's jogging for it and then stops jogging. Like, that's just uh, no effort. That's just no effort. But uh, I don't know if you guys, you know, w- w- want to talk about some things from, from the Lakers side of things, from, from, from the Wolves side of things, but just, just a really a, a horrendous game, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh- go on. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, mine's not real quick. Shout out. Just Isaiah with two A's Thomas, man. <laughs> I, I love Isaiah Thomas. Lance's Isaiah Thomas as well. Two of like my honestly my favorite. I love small guards. Um, two of my favorite of all time. And to see him back uh, in the the NBA court with a team and, and put in a great, had a a solid game for the Lakers, 19 points, you know, um, and and 41% and and getting a chance to be back in the league. That was great to see. Um, but, but I just had to give that quick shout out, but Lance, go on if you want to talk about the game as well.
0: Oh, I was just going to say in terms of that game, yeah, I'm going with, I'm, I agree with John. Like it just seemed like the Lakers weren't really into it. I was watching a little bit of it and, Defensively, they didn't get back. They led a lot of easy baskets by the Timberwolves. I mean, Carl Anthony Town looked like he should have been on the 75 greatest players list mm-hmm. over Anthony Davis. Like, yeah. and Carl Anthony Towns, he's been kind of quiet this year a little bit in terms of, you know, him being an all star big man. Like, I haven't really heard too much about him. You hear, I mean, there, then again, they do have Anthony Edwards on the team, and that guy steals the show. But yeah. Man, Carl Anthony Towns looked great. The Timberwolves as a whole looked great. The Lakers, I just don't know what it is. I think they just have so many different pieces, and the pieces of the puzzle just don't fit together. It just doesn't work out. And I don't really know what the answer is for the Lakers going forward, but against the Timberwolves, they looked like a team that could potentially be in the play-in game versus the playoffs.
2: Absolutely. What? Okay, cool. so, so since – talked. You talked a little bit about puzzle pieces, fitting, this and that. I have a question for you, Lance, because there's someone, a certain someone in a team that said <laughs> they're interested in trading and they're open to trade talks for a certain player, and that certain player is Jeremy Grant. And one of the teams interested was the Los Angeles Lakers, Lance. So what do you think about that fit? Who would you want back if you're the Detroit? Are you entertaining that? And kind of talk a little bit about that and those rumors.
0: Oh, man, everybody wants a piece of Jeremy Grant. That's what it seems like. And, you know, for the right package, I'm willing to let him go. You know, I mean, I don't make those decisions, but I'd be okay with Jeremy Grant on a new team. Depends on what I'm getting back. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I think he fits in with the Lakers. But really, I just think they had the formula even going into the team, going through the season last year. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to get rid of a couple of those personalities because they weren't all meshing. But Really what the Lakers need, they need to find guys that are okay with less roles on a team. You don't need a bunch of all-stars. We've seen it time and time again. Like It just doesn't seem to work. You want guys that accept a role, whether it's at the end of the bench, in the starting lineup, playing 15 minutes a game, and they really just don't have enough of these guys that are willing to accept a lesser role and look at the bigger picture, which is a championship. But in terms of Jeremy Grant, like, I'll be honest with you, the Lakers, they don't really have anything on this team that I would want in return. Maybe THT, but we kind of already got Hami Diallo. They're kind of the same player, in my opinion. They were even averaging similar numbers when Hami was in Oklahoma City last year, so – you know, I mean, Jeremy Grant makes a lot of sense. He does a lot of great things. Like, he's good at cutting to the basket. He's good with moving without the ball. He's a good shooter. He can be a 3 and D guy. He can play both forward spots. But, man, in terms of a package, there's not enough coming back from Los Angeles for the Detroit Pistons to accept that, to accept any trade for Jeremy Grant. I'll just leave it at that.
2: Yeah. I think maybe yeah. last year, if they gave up or given, given up like KCP, you got him back, or, or – uh, or Kyle, Kyle Kuzma, Kuzma. That, that'd be a little bit more. And THC, you'd put a package like that together, maybe Montrezl Harrell, guys that are like on the short, the end of their contract, and, and then you, you can further bring in guys or, or get other pieces to put around Cade. I think last year would have been more ideal, but this year, right, I think that's the issue in terms of what you're getting back if you're Detroit, so right
1: I, I, Absolutely, man, and, and you know, just, just, just to talk a little bit, more uh, because I, I, I got to do it, man. I, I'm, I'm a heavy, if you're, if you're messing up, I got to come down on you, man. So I got to come down real quick on Westbrook and LeBron. And because of their lack of aggression, I mean, I always critique Westbrook for in the games where he shoots more than Anthony Davis, when they both play the whole game. I'm, I always critique AD. I'm like, you should never be letting Russell Westbrook shoot more than you. Now I always critique Westbrook because he should not be trying to take more shots than Anthony Davis is, but the game that we need Russell Westbrook to be aggressive And take those shots, he doesn't. He just had to take a back seat. A D played 20 minutes, Russell Westbrook played 30 minutes plus, and they both only took seven shots. LeBron James, when when AD went down, I really thought, like, all right, cool. I'm not worried. LeBron James is gonna just absolutely take over. But that did not happen. Like, guys, LeBron James only took three shots in the third quarter. AD did not play the entire third quarter, and LeBron took three shots. He ended up in on 18 points, 10 rebounds on 38% from the field. But I mean, to me if you have players like, if you have your best player, I mean, LeBron may be your most important player, but AD's the best player. If you have your best player out, everyone and their moms need to step up, man. So I just, I I am just definitely disappointed with the Lakers' performance overall. And then just, I just want to add this in there because I mean, I was watching the game with my mom and my mom looked at me, my mom was like, do you think maybe the Lakers need to fire the coach? And I was like, yes, Ooh. they do. Even my mom said it. My mom just <laughs> don't even watch basketball That's like cool, that. That's cool, <laughs> mom. For real, man. Even my mom was like, do you think the Lakers need to fire their coach? I was like, yes, they very much do, man. So just – A very uh, uh, embarrassing performance from the Lakers. And then just to touch a little bit on the Wolves side of things, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, I mean, you said it, Lance. It looked like he belonged in that top 75 team, man. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks on 55% from the field, 80% from the free throw line. He had it his way wherever he wanted, man. And to be real with you, he could have had more. Like, he could have had more points, but the Wolves opened up the lead so large in the third quarter it allowed him to rest because, I mean, he had 23 at half. He had 23 points at halftime. He ended it with 28. So, I mean, he c- could have arguably went for a, a a 50 burger, but what's
0: that Lance? Oh, I was going to say in the energy that Carl Anthony's towns was playing mm-hmm. with, like he was just feeling himself in that game. Like you could tell that he took that matchup with Anthony Davis personally and just something clicked where he's like, you know what I'm on, I, I got to do something for my team. And he yeah. put him on their back and he did it. But I want to go back to the Lakers just real quick. I think, to what they need to have is, I mean, LeBron James does a fantastic job of this, but he's probably going to be playing center a lot going forward with Anthony Davis out. I think he's played like 96 minutes as a center this year for the Lakers, and they're they're expecting that to go up. They need to find a guy and they have him on the roster and Rajan Rondo. That's a guy that he can set the pace offensively for a team. Mm-hmm. He's not much of a scorer, but he's a guy that dictates where the ball goes very like he knows where it needs to go. Like he's going to feed the high hand. He's going to put guys in the best position. And I think they might need to make a lineup change. I'm not saying taking Russell Westbrook out of the lineup or anything, but I'm saying try to find, you know, in the lineup where Rajon Rondo can go and have him run the team for a little bit, have LeBron play the big spot, have Russell Westbrook play off the guard and play off of Rajon Rondo. They're already doing it with Taylor Horton-Tucker and Russell Westbrook, two guys that I think are very similar in play style. Not saying THT is like Russell at all, but I'm just saying their play styles are similar. And they were trying to make that work in the backcourt. i say bring in another non-shooter in Rajon Rondo, let him run the show, or at least let him run the second unit with some shooters, find some guys that he can play with. Cause I think Rajon Rondo, even though he's getting up there in age, he's a guy that can move that needle a little bit more as long as he's in the right position. And I might just be, you know, speaking on things that, you know, were back in the past with Rajon Rondo, but he's in the league for a reason. I think he's a guy that can help a team out in the Lakers. They need to be finding some answers going forward.
1: No, Lance. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not speaking from the past at all. you're, you're, you're speaking truth, man, and that's the same thing I think. I think the Lakers need to be playing a lot more Rondo and allow LeBron to have, right especially right now, less on-ball duties and be able to run the lane more and just be able to do that, man. I mean, it, it, this was a great game for Cat and the Wolves, man. Definitely a disappointing game for the Lakers. But, but I mean, you know, the, the, you win some, you lose some, but you know, the, the the day goes on 82 game season, man. So let's, let's see, man. But Jay, do you, you got any games that you want to you want to talk about for the, for the weekend?
2: Yeah. I'm going I'm to highlight one game that I saw last night and, and that was the Washington wizards with the one Oh nine one Oh three victory against the Utah jazz. And what kind of I saw in that game, number one, obviously the wizards coming onto that, into that game with, you know, uh, on a four-game losing streak, it, it was a game that, number one, coming up against the Jazz, if you can get some confidence and build uh, momentum beating a team like that, that's huge. And that's exactly what they did. Um, and it, it was just a dominant performance by the Wizards, a team who hasn't been playing the best basketball. And it, it was kind of kind of question-answering time for them. Are they going to be able to rewrite the sh- uh, rewrite the ship there, start playing better basketball after, you know, having such a hard, a uh, hot start at the beginning of the season and to where talks are now is Bradley Beal going to resign? You know, we saw, heard him answer that question. Like I got to be selfish and think about myself and, and see what happens next. Um, and not really saying, yeah, I'm, I'm here to stay. So to get a win like this, this could potentially be something they uh, could build on, but let's just talk about a little bit the, about the numbers. Um, obviously anytime, with the Wizards did, having six of a, uh, six players scoring in double figures with 11 points or more, huge. Um, off the bench, 39 points combined, another recipe to winning. Anytime you can get bench production, especially against a team like the Jazz, that's a plus. And then we saw the old Bradley Beal last night. What we saw last year, we saw flashes of, of, of that to last night. And uh, with 37 points, seven assists, 54% field, 40% uh, percent from the three uh three point line and 90% from the free throw line. Obviously he's been shooting at piss poor from three point line with at 29% on the season to shoot 40% and then 50% percent from the field goal huge. Um Dinwiddie continues to struggle 0 for 7 0 points uh 0 for oh for 3. I mean he's just been having a rough go of it um there. Just honestly their backcourt's been struggling in this time that they've they've had but um the Jazz uncharacteristically had 15 turnovers, shot 63%, man. Just just a recipe for disaster for the Jazz, and then the, the Wizards were just playing great basketball on their side and something they can look to continue building on. But uh, I don't know if you guys have anything to add or or saw anything that game that stood out to you, man.
0: Um, man, the Wizards, they had eight guys play 20 or more minutes as well. Like, they're a deep team. They're showing that depth. Mm-hmm. Um, Denny Advia, man, he was a guy that stood out to me. He had 11.7 rebounds two assists. He played some, he played some good defense too, man. Like that guy, I didn't, I know people had question marks about him. Defensively, but he looked good defensively last night. I think the problem for the Wizards is just finding that second piece that can play along Bradley Beal. You know, you need another guy to step up. It kind of looked like Kyle Kuzma was taking over that role a little bit, but he only had eight points. Like, I think he's still a little inconsistent, especially as a second option. You have Montrezl Harrell, but he's kind of limited to what he could do offensively, even though he's having a great bounce back here, despite how he played last year for the Lakers. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, he does a little bit of everything but scoring and they need someone to score. So they have all these different pieces, but they don't have that second fiddle that can play next to Bradley Beal. And I think that's really what hurts them. I mean, I love all the pieces like they have. In my opinion, the pieces to that a championship team would want you got guys that know their role, they're going, they've accepted that, they've accepted the responsibilities you've given them, but they just don't have that second guy that can take them over the top. So that's what I really think the Washington Wizards are missing this year.
2: Hey, Lynn, so you, you think uh, is the one on a championship team, or do you think there could it has to be another per person? It's the Batman and then is uh, kind of that Robin guy, you want to I, say.
0: Um, ideally, like, I think if you're trying to build a team around Bradley Beal, you're probably going to be like an NBA purgatory. You're going to be a middle-of-the-pack team. You're probably going to be like an eighth, seventh, or sixth team or you're going to be ending up with like the 14th, 13th, 12th pick in the NBA draft. It can go either mm-hmm. way. But I think if you put the right pieces around him, he can be your number one scorer. He can be a guy that you lean on to go get you a bucket. I definitely, but it, they need to have the right pieces in place. Right. But ideally, I would love to see Bradley Peel. I said this last time on your guys' podcast. I would love to see Bradley Beal play with like a Luka Doncic type. That makes the most sense. A guy that can play off the ball, he can cut, Luka can feed him. Like I, I Tim Hardaway does a great job playing alongside Luka. Why not get a more elite player like Bradley Beal who does those same things but at a much higher level than what Tim Hardaway does? So yeah, I mean as a first option, I don't really I don't love Bradley Beal, but I think with the right pieces you know, and I mean, I I mean, I, I say the right pieces because I'm a Pistons fan. You know, we had the right pieces around Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton, and they won a championship back in 04. So when you build a team around a guy like that, like a Bradley Beal, you just got to have the right pieces. You got to have guys that know their role, and then they can get it done. I mean, another great example is the 2001 Sixers with Allen Iverson. Like, they just let him do his thing, but they had everybody else surrounding him playing their roles. And I think that's another way they can get it done. But the Wizards don't have – all of, they just, if you are going forward with Bradley Beal, you need to have the right pieces, which I think they have the right pieces in place, but you need to have another guy that can go out and get you a bucket when, you know, another guy they can rely on. So there's a few things missing for him, but I guess to answer your question again, I don't love Bradley Beal as a number one option. I like him as a number two, but if you put the right pieces around him, you know, you can have some success. Okay. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, Lance, you know, uh, uh, also to talk about you know, like how you said with uh, having another guy that Bradley Beale can, you know, he can take a rest or he can, you know, defer to, that should be Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> you know, that should be Spencer Dinwiddie. That's what, and that's what well, why I honestly picked him up in, in fantasy like I really thought Spencer Dinwiddie was like I was like okay cool it's, it's either gonna be Bradley Beal getting buckets or is it gonna be Spencer Dinwiddie getting buckets and he just didn't do it he's just not he hasn't been bringing it he's, he's he's had some good games this season but not the Spencer Dinwiddie that I think that we all uh projected and we all saw like wow this spent when Spencer Dinwiddie's on the nets like we were looking at him and Karis LeVert like all right these guys are the next like Two best wing scorers in the league, and I mean, I mean, unfortunately, Karis Laverty, you know, had to go down with some uh, some injuries, some stuff like that. He had to deal with that, um, and that that tumor. And then Spencer Dinwiddie just hasn't been there, man. But I I, I definitely think that Spencer Dinwiddie has, uh, I would say, at least from my expectations, let down a little bit from from uh, from what I expected. And then to just to talk a little bit more, you know, about that Jazz and Wizards game, uh, I want to I want to bring up Jordan Clarkson. You know, Jordan Clarkson. Um, Everyone likes him, you know, like the fun, fun guy, you know, all tattoos and all that. And I'm with it. I'm with it, man. But I, I have to bring something up, man. I, I just I think he's an inefficient scorer, dog. Like he just like the, the amount of shots he chucks up and I'm watching the game and I'm like, dog, you should have you could have easily dumped that off to Rudy Gobert easy dunk right there, but you want to take a up and under crazy layup that doesn't even really have a chance of going in or take these the fadeaway threes. And I, and again, don't get me wrong, like fadeaway threes for certain players are good shots. If Stephen Curry, if KD, if, if man, uh, even Seth, even, you know, just some, some above average shooters are taking some fadeaway threes. And that's what you need to do okay, I'm cool with it, man, but you're Jordan Clarkson. Like, and I'm not trying to disrespect Jordan Clarkson, but I'm just saying you got to understand there's levels to this. There's why you don't let Donovan Mitchell take fadeaway threes. If someone's going to be taking them, it should not be you, man. I mean, just this game, he had 12 points on 28% from the field and 10% from three. I just think that he he doesn't understand when to stop. Like, he just thinks like, okay, well, I'll hit the next one, hit the next one, hit the next one. And I guess that's a good mentality to have for certain players If you're a star player, if your team needs you to do that, but the Jazz don't need Donovan Mitchell to be a, a, you know, a high volume scorer. If he is great, that's bench production. But if he's not, we don't need you to keep chucking up 10 threes and making one of them. So just, just I just wanted to bring that up, man. You know, I feel like Jordan Clarkson gets a lot of love and I'm not trying to take away the love from him. But I just want people to look at Jordan Clarkson for what he really is. And then also I want I want to highlight highlight Rudy Gobert, man. I mean, Jake talked about it a little bit, but he just had the most like, you know, you look at his stat line and you're like, all right, like if I could imagine if Rudy Gobert had a had a stat line if if a stat line had a name, it would be this stat line that he had would be Rudy Gobert. 11 points, 19 <laughs> rebounds, 6 blocks, and it's just like, you know, he's not doing much on offense, but he's bringing you so many boards, he's he's so helpful on defense. He's just that defensive anchor and then I just want to give a, one more quick shout out to uh, to Rudy Gobert because he dominated Daniel Gafford, dog. Like just dominated him. Like out of the six blocks that Rudy Gobert got, five were on Daniel Gafford, and all five were Daniel Gafford trying to post Rudy up. So it was just it was just a, like a bully ball show out there. It was, Daniel Gafford kept trying to go to the same move, and he kept he kept just shutting it down. So just huge huge ups to 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 to, to Rudy Gobert and the Jazz man, but. Before real quick, guys. Before we move away from the Jazz and Wizards, I have to ask this real quick. Not just this game. I would say take uh, take careers. Let's say careers. If you had a pick, you had one more spot on your on your team. Jay Hill, you have a team, and Lance, you got a team. You got you got you had a pick. We got one more spot. Are you guys taking Donovan Mitchell or Bradley Beal?
2: Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I'm taking. Yeah, I'm taking Don Mitch.
0: Oh yeah, dude. He's uh, man. Like he's good God, offensively. Man. He's good. He's pretty good defensively. He has a little bit more of an all around to his aroundness to his game. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Dwayne Wade. So I'll definitely take in uh, Donovan Mitchell. But I want to talk about Jordan Clarkson real, real quick. Like he's a six man, but like he is, he is inconsistent. So he averages 15 points per game. How many games do you think he actually had 15 points in this year? If you had to guess, like this is, I'm going to promise. I'll make a point to this. He's had two games where he actually had his average he's either well below it or way higher than it like that's that that shows the inconsistency that you were right. talking about like he doesn't he's not a consistent score so you know you gotta li- you gotta live with what he gives you each and every game like there's gonna be a game where he looks like the best player on the court and there's another game where you're just gonna be scratching your head wondering why they employ this guy that's who that's who <laughs> jordan clarkson is and he's uh, a lot like jr smith was too i remember jr smith mm-hmm. I think when he won six man of the year for the Knicks, he was averaging 18 a game, but he never had 18 points in a game like he never had. It was either that or 14 points a game. I forget which year it was that, you know, he was a good six man or whatever. But there was one year where he never hit his average in a game. He was either high above it or really low below it. Jordan Clarkson's in that same archetype as player. That's not not
1: a good archetype that you want to be in, man. No, not, not a very good
0: archetype. No.
1: But all right, man. So, Lance, do you
0: got any games that you want to touch on that happened, or are you good? Um. So real quick, I just want to uh, give a. I want to talk about the game that I was at to that I went to last night. It was the Pistons versus the Rockets. The Pistons are on a fourteen game losing streak, which ties the franchise record. It's terrible. I hate the losing. I expected it. I think I even said on your podcast, they were going to be one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. So I'm glad I got that right. (laughs) And, uh, but I wanted the reason I want to talk about that game is killing Hayes and Cade Cunningham. They did something that has never been done in the NBA before. They both had 10 assists. Cade had 11, killing had 10. They were the first pair of teammates that are 20 or younger to actually do that in an NBA game. So it was pretty cool to witness something like that. Like I remember checking the Jumbotron because they have the stats at the bottom. I'm like man both these guys have 10 plus assists this is wild like I didn't even know where all these came from because they only scored like 107 points in the game last night or 106 so you know it's just the game was fun it was cool got to bring my daughter to it it was her first professional basketball game so that was ah. cool in a special moment just wish the Pistons came away with a W but Cade Cunningham has been playing phenomenal the last nine games in the nba and he's making a case for rookie of the year so that's the only oh, yeah. game i'm going to talk about but it stunk for the pistons fans but you know got to see history that was cool yeah
1: absolutely man and then and then you know lance while, while we have you on you know a pistons expert and, you know, I, I know you definitely been been uh watching cade and, and digesting taking everything that he's been doing me and jay i mean the fans know we are huge on Evan Mobley. We are a big Evan Mobley guy. Uh, we think he's probably going to take home the, uh, the rookie of the year. But, but but how do you feel about that, you know, from, from, from a, a Pistons fan's perspective?
0: So Evan Mobley, he was one of the guys that I was like, man, I'd be perfectly fine with the Pistons taking him number one overall. Like, mm-hmm. I love what he can bring. I didn't know he was that good offensively, and I really <laughs> didn't know he was that good defensively. Like, holy crap, you can – Man, you talk about a chess piece on a basketball court. That guy is like there were some lineups that the Cavaliers, I believe, were using Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and Kevin Love in the front court. Like, that's a huge lineup to be putting out on a basketball floor. Like, how do you score against that much length? So Evan Mobley, like if he wins rookie of the year, I would not be, I would not be disappointed that Cade lost to him because he's playing great as a rookie and it's a shame that he was out for a couple weeks with an elbow injury but Evan Mobley yes yeah, he wins rookie of the year I wouldn't be disappointed he's been playing he's been playing great this year I mean I'm ruined for Cade but Evan Mobley he's been one hell of a player early on in his career same with Scotty Barnes though everybody was sleeping man. on that guy yeah. man. Everybody, like, dude I I remember like we were doing a Pistons draft talk episode when we knew the Pistons were getting a top six pick I had another guy come on his name is Tommy's from the driving to the basket podcast. And we were talking about that. And he's like, dude, look, Scotty Barnes is the nightmare pick for the Pistons. And I'm like, what? I would love Scotty Barnes on Detroit. I love his energy. Like, I mean, yeah, he wasn't much of an offensive player for sure, but like he could do a little bit of everything. He fixed his jump shot. It's looking a lot better. Man, I you know I, I don't mean I don't always toot my own horn, but I I'm glad I was right about Scotty Barnes going forward. He has made me look like a genius. So yeah, Scotty Barnes, like that's another one of those guys that I wouldn't be disappointed if he won Rookie of the Year either. Like he's been playing great for Toronto. So yeah, man, this rookie class has been a lot of fun to watch. This rookie class, what's up, Jay?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting uh, that we're talking about the rookie class because there's something I wanted to bring out, bring up uh, when it came to this. And I was talking to John about this. So, you know, you talked about Lance and, and John, you guys were talking about the top four picks. But there's one particular player you didn't mention. And which brings me back to 2003. And I'll bring, I'll lead, it, tie it back into why I'm bringing this up. The first pick in the 2003 draft was LeBron James, as we know, by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Lance, sorry to say it, the second pick in the draft was the Detroit Pitchens with the the man, the myth, the legend, Darko Milicic. And then the third, the third pick was Carmelo, obviously by Denver. Chris Bosh um, at four, and then uh, to the Raptors, D Wade at five. So switching it, pushing it now back to. This past year, the 2021 draft. The Pistons obviously took Cade Cunningham. Jalen Green went to the Houston Rockets. Evan Mobley at three to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Scotty Barnes at four to, to the Toronto Raptors. And the reason I say that is because out of the four, those four players, I personally think that Jalen Green is the worst uh out of those four in terms of future and in terms of like they the rockets i believe took the biggest risk out of seeing upside i think he can be a great player but so far he hasn't shown that um obviously he's injured right now but out of those four i believe that the other three have uh the potential to be the better players and i think maybe houston might have made the mistake that uh, darko milicic maybe not on that level Darko yeah. milicic had some service for years <laughs> Uh, he was part of that championship team. I guess that's the, his best, best career achievement. But um, but I think that, that Jalen Green will be the worst out of those four, in my opinion, um, just in terms of – but how are you feeling about oh, that? I was
0: going to say, like, the championship was great for Darko, but the amount of money he made in the NBA, right. that was the real win right there from – I think you yeah. came away with, like, 64 $68 million. But, no, Jalen Green, man, it's funny, man. Like, I've always – like I go back and forth with this. Like, I love when a guy is, you know, confident in himself where like, you know, I mean, borderline cocky, whatever that kind of bothers me. And Jalen green, man, I was, I was rooting for him, even though he said all that stuff about Detroit, like want to be the number one overall pick. There's nothing going on in the city. That was a slap to my face because Detroit Mm -hmm. is an amazing city. So, you know, I mean, where I'm basically going with that is, yeah, right now he looks like the worst of the five picks for (laughs) sure. And, but I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be a pretty good scorer. I don't know if he'll be leading the league in scoring like what some people said. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he'll probably be closer when it's all said and done. He'll probably be a pretty good starter in the NBA. I don't know if he's the franchise guy that people thought. I mean, Cade certainly looks like a franchise player. Evan Mobley looks like a franchise player. Scotty Barnes looks, I mean, like I said, he looks solid. I don't know if he's a franchise player, but I know he's a piece mm-hmm. to you know. I know he's a piece to a contending team down the line. Jalen Green jury's still out on him and everything, but yeah, man, like it, it's kind of funny, you know, because a lot of Houston fans thought they came away with the right player, and mm-hmm. he's just you know he's hurt right now, unfortunately. But man, he has not looked good being number oh, two nah. overall. Man, nah.
1: not at all, man. All right, so so that so I just wanted to you know talk to you you a little bit about that, Lance. You know having. Pistons expert here with us. We had to we had to talk talk a little bit of Cade Cunningham and the rookies with you, man. But all right, so guys, let's move on to our last last and final segment, man. And that's and that's player of the week. I'll go ahead and kick my player of the week off, man. And I know I saw. It. Every single play, he was kicking the Lakers' butt up and down the court, and that's Carl Anthony Towns, man. I mean, the last 10 games, he's just been a monster. 27 points per game, nine rebounds, four assists, one block, one steal, on 52% from the field. 38 percent from three and 75 percent from the free throw line he's he's been leading his team to win. he's been bringing that energy that you were talking about Lance and honestly that's all you can really ask for you know a lot of a lot of people used to say Carlton Towns is soft Carlton Towns doesn't bring that energy but that's what he has been doing this in this in this past season I mean th- this season ended especially this past week he's been bringing it bringing it on the energy end bringing it on the, on the uh, efficiency end and honestly my, ha- my player of the week goes to him man but Jay you-, you got your player of the week ready or you want me to kick it to Lance
2: yeah I'm gonna go with mine uh a team who I, I mean I'm sorry a player who they didn't win all their games but I thought he's playing at an extremely high level he's a night-to-night triple-double uh threat now And that's Fred Van Bleet with two big performances, one being against obviously an undermanned warrior team last night and then against the Brooklyn Nets, the class of the East. Uh, I I thought he had a great, efficient uh, week for for the Raptors, Um, obviously 27 points last night uh, on 60 percent from the three point line, 52 percent from the field goal, uh, 12 assists, three steals, one block seven rebounds and then against the nets putting up 30 piece 31 um 43 percent from the field uh 42 percent from the three-point line four rebounds nine assists two steals so he's getting it just done on both ends of the floor um leading that bunch you the raptors had a slower start have been uh struggling with some injuries and guys being out and i i think fred's just been the catalyst and the leader that they needed to fill those shoes of Kyle Lowry. And I think he's been doing a great job of that. So that's why he's my player of the week for this past week, man.
0: All right. I'm a little biased with this one, but I'm going to share him anyways. And that is Cade Cunningham. So okay. the yeah. last six in the last six days, his he had 26 points, eight rebounds, six assists, three steals, one block. It, it was a loss, but he shot 63% from the three-point line, 56, from the field in that game. Then he came back with 19 points, two blocks, one steal, four assists, six rebounds, again, another loss. But he shot the ball well. He played well. He looks like he's settling in as that leader of the team. Then last night he had 21 points, seven rebounds, 11 assists, two steals, one block shooting numbers weren't really there but like again man this guy is proving why he was the number one overall pick so he would be my player of the week I've just had I've it's been a joy to me a joy for me to watch Cade Cunningham grow into his role as the franchise savior for the Detroit Pistons
1: man Cade Cunningham has
0: been nice
1: I mean me and Jay have been talking I've been talking about him I, I tell Jay all the time whether it's over text, when it's in the pod, I say, I think Kate is like a Luca, like one of those generational mm-hmm. talents that can do everything on the court. Man, I yeah, Cade, just watch out for Kate, man. He is legit, for man, sure. Man. All right, man. So I think this is a good place for us to go ahead and, uh, and wrap it up here. Lance, Lance, make them dance. Thank you so much Max. for coming <laughs> on the pod, Lance. Like, honestly, we just love to have you on the pod. Like, you bring great energy, very knowledgeable NBA
0: fan. But, I mean, you got any, any last words you want to say before we sign off here? No, man, I really do appreciate you guys having me on, man. Anytime I can do it. I love talking with you guys. This is a fun podcast. You guys bring a lot of different things to talk about. I really got to, you know, just... Use everything that's up here to talk with you guys, and I love that. And, um yeah, real quick, just for everybody listening, too, I just want to say you can follow me on Twitter, at Lance Caparosi. You can check out the Everything Pistons podcast. Same name on Instagram and same name on Twitter and on Facebook if you're a Pistons fan. Just check us out. And, again, man, thank you, too, for letting me come on the podcast and talk hoops with you guys.
2: Sure. Yeah, you're absolutely, man. nice. Yeah, appreciate you having on. Everything John said, man. We love having you on the show, so definitely be back, man. Yes, sir, man, it.
1: and and for all, like how Lance said, for all the fans, if you guys want to see any of Lance's work, any uh, follow his Twitter, his Instagram, Facebook, uh, follow the, the the Pistons podcast. Everything will be in the description down below. We be, all be linked down there, so make sure you guys uh, check that out, man, and and go uh, go go show Lance some love, man. But for all the fans, you know, thank you guys. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and that's it, man. We out here, y'all. Clutch talk out. Peace.